Welcome to the audio ministry of Love Foundation Christian Center, a place to find God's love. Pastors Osage and Bridget Airboard teach the word with simplicity and truth. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message inspires and encourages you. Enjoy the message. Yeah, we thank God. Like I said earlier, the world is celebrating Valentine's Day. Uh, we who know true love is celebrating the love of God. And one of the ways we celebrate the love of God is to love other people. Uh, the Bible says that if you don't love people that you see, how can you say that you love God? So loving people is a demonstration also of the love of God. Uh, today I'm talking about uh, almost a continuation of what I started on Wednesday. I'm sharing on true love never fails. True love Never fails. Don't the somebody say true love? True love. Never fails. Never fails. Say it again. True love. True love. Never fails. Never fails. All right. Turn to my one of my favorite scriptures, John three sixteen. John three sixteen is one of the most popular scriptures. I'm sure we can actually uh, recite that from memory, right? How many of you can recite it? Okay, let's go together. Want to go? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. One more time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So the Bible says God so loved the world. Let's go to 1 John 4. This is also a popular scripture here. Verse 7, 1 John 4, 7. <clears throat> the Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Let's read it again, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Somebody say amen. How many of you know it as a song? Beloved, let us love one another, love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. Our God is love. God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. First John 4, 7, 8. Amen. So let's continue verse, verse 8, verse 9. <clears throat> In this was manifested the love of God towards us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. So where should love come for one another? Because of the love of God towards us. So if, if, if God so loved us, 
then we ought to love one another. So true love, true love is a way to describe the love of God as compared to what everybody else may regard as love. I mean, the world is talking about love, singing about love, dancing about love, but most really don't know love because the love they know is selfishness, self-centeredness. And we see that also in the scripture, in the Psalms of David, where people love people and they say they love people and they become sick of love. And as soon as they have what, get what they want, what do they do? They, they turn around and hate even more than they love. So that is based on emotions. But the kind of love God is calling us to, which is the foundation of all love, all kinds of love, all kinds of right love, is what the Bible calls agape. So the Bible says that we love because he first loved us. So if you are going to love properly, you're going to have to receive the love of God first. You're going to have to know the love of God. Because without this knowledge and receiving God's love, you really can't love properly. No, many people actually think they love others with agape, but they're really operating in a developed phileo, filio. Praise God. Uh, you say, how do I know that? Very simple. Uh, if your love is dependent on what the other person does, it's not agape. It's not agape. Hallelujah. I know it's one thing to sit down in church and look sanctimonious and say, preach it, pastor. Yes. That is the word of God. It's another thing on Monday morning for someone to do something that you don't like. And you stay in the love of God. It's a different thing entirely. And so it's not just something we say. It's not just something we think. It's not just something we agree with. It has to become the lifestyle that we practice. So this morning as we're celebrating uh, Valentine's Day, which both singles and couples can celebrate, and also we are uh, celebrating our couples week, I just want to spend a little more time uh, for us to look again at what the Bible says true love, agape is, which is the foundation of every love. If, you, if we walk in agape, like I said on Wednesday, you can almost live in a relationship with anybody and be happy. Praise God. And now we cut some search in half. <clears throat> Praise God. Because many times people are looking for who can love them. And if you are looking for who can love you, most of the time it means that you have ignored the one that really loves you. And one the reason why people are looking for love is because they have not found or received true love. And it's important that we are established in the love of God. Because without that establishment, we can't love people properly, even when we try. He said, no man has seen God at any time, verse 13. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And his love is perfected in us. Hereby we know that he that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God dwelleth in him and he in God. And we have known 
and believe the love that God had to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. I repeat this verse. We'll stay here. <clears throat> and we have known and believed the love that God had to us. God is love. Say God is love. Say it again, God is love. It says, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. So I ask you again, are you in love? Yes. So how are you in love? Because you are dwelling what? In the love of God. Because you have received the love of God, and you are dwelling in God. Today, if you ask somebody, how is your love life? Many think about sex. And that's what the world tries to make it look like. But that shouldn't be. Amen. What should be our love life? The way we love God and love people. That's our love life. Yes, sir. That's our love life. Somebody say, oh, my love life is zero. Because they don't have a spouse. Or their spouse is not treating them well. No, you still don't understand properly what love is. So we have to begin to renew our mind. And God said we have to do that a lot this year. Amen. Amen. Change our thinking about what love is. Change our thoughts and begin to receive and dwell in the love of God. Be satisfied in the love of God so that we can love others like we should. Praise God. I recommended my wife's book, True Love, More Than a Love Affair. I want to mention it again. If you don't have a copy, you should get one. Uh, one of the things that she emphasized in this book is the fact that one of the problems people have about love is that they have not received the true love of God. They have not received the true love. And people are looking for love in all the wrong places. People are looking for love because sometimes their parents didn't love them. People are looking for love because... They didn't get some of the attention they thought they ought to get growing up. Some are looking for love because they watched Gone with the Wind or some other romantic <laughs> novel or, or movie and they have fantasized how their life would be. Oh man, if I just get that 666. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Six foot tall, six packed, and six figures, right? And, and, the, and the men, the same thing. They've watched some good movie. They see this uh, uh, size and stuff. And, and there's a dream going on. And many times they get disappointed because what they thought was love, it's not love. They see the guy, looks tall, looks handsome, just like the drama we saw. And yet, he disappoints them because he has other agenda. He doesn't wake up in the morning and make tea and coffee and egg for them like they saw in the movie. Instead, he says, wash my clothes. <laughs> They're like, this is the wrong guy. <laughs> and they get sad. And after a few months, maybe a few years, they say, I'm tired. This is not what I dreamt about. Let me find number two. And they discover that number two even has less. Because what they're looking for is not in a physical body. What they are looking for is true love. And that can only come from God. Somebody say hallelujah. It's only after you have received, believed, dwelt, 
and be founded, grounded in the love of God, growing in the love of God, that you can actually begin to love other people properly. And that's one reason why we have so much divorce. Because people are looking for love in the wrong places and have not received and be grounded in the love of God. They have not understood God's love. Somebody say hallelujah. And one other thing that she mentioned in the book, I'm not advertising the book, I'm just teaching you from the word of God. But I think it's important that you get materials that can help you. So it's not just advertisement, it's also to show you where to get information that will help you. Amen. One of the things she mentioned, and I think it's very profound, I mean, we've taught this here awkward time, but I think it's important you know you can go and look at it again, uh, is the fact that there's a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. One of the things that Jesus Christ said, you find it is in John chapter number 13, verse 34, you can put it up. He said, a new commandment I give unto you that you may, you should love one another as I have loved you. Right? He said you should love one another as I have loved you. St. John 3, uh, verse 34. And this was slightly different from the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, and Jesus also mentioned this, why they asked him what's the greatest law in the Old Testament. And, and he said, this is the greatest law. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Then he said, love your neighbors as you love yourself. But then Jesus Christ came in establishing the new covenant. He said, a new commandment I give unto you. And the Bible says, when you say something is new, it has made the other ones old and obsolete. So why did he establish a new covenant, a new law, a new testament? Why did he say a new commandment I'm giving? What's wrong with the old one? The old one looks fine to me. People are still trying to do that today. Say, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Then he says, the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. In short, people say, that is the golden rule. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Do unto others as you wish others to do unto you. In short, that's what many people call the golden rule. Even though some of us say, the golden rule is the one who owns the gold rules. Praise God. So there are different golden rules. All right. But what's wrong with that? The problem with the old covenant, law of love, especially when it has to do with others, is that not everybody loved themselves. Praise God. Some people go ahead and drink themselves to stupor and they're found in the gutter. Some take all kinds of drugs. Some cut themselves. Some are depressed. They are sad. They wouldn't eat. Then some overeat. Somebody talks to them. They just take a big bowl of ice cream and eat it all in one afternoon. I'll show you. I'll get fat. <laughs> and today, some get so mad at the world, they blow their brains out. Some jump out of buildings. Some jump out of... High, high story buildings or the bridges. Now, if a man or a woman has that kind of mindset about himself to blow his brains out and he decides to follow the Old Testament law, love your neighbor as yourself, what do you think he's going to do to their neighbors? 
blow their brains out because he's, that's what he's thinking about himself. He's obeying the scripture. I'm going to kill myself. So before I kill myself, I'm going to kill 20 other people and then kill myself. I'm loving my neighbors as I love myself. So people who go and kill other people and then shoot themselves, they may be right in the middle of the Old Testament law and obedient to it. So Jesus said, I'm not telling you to love your neighbor as yourself anymore because many of you don't even know how to love yourself because you have not received the love of God. So he said, there's a new commandment I'm giving unto you that you should love one another as I have loved you. So if you want to know how to love people, you don't look at yourself. Who do you look at? Jesus Christ. He becomes the example of love. And the Bible says in 1 John, by this we know love. 1 John 3, put it up, verse 16. He said, by this we know love that he gave himself for us. So also we ought to love one another. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he's telling us how to love. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. So how how are you supposed to love other people? You lay down. Uh, uh, You're not talking loudly. I said how are you supposed to love people? You You lay down your life for them. Ha! Ha ha! Now we understand why even in the, new, in the new covenant, people are still struggling with what the word of God says. But the problem is not that it's hard. Jesus even made it very clear. In case you start complaining, ah, Father, this is too hard. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said, my commandments are not grievous. Why is he saying that? Because the Bible says that you can't love until you receive love first. So the problem with people loving one another the way God says, it's not because it is hard to love. It's because they have not come to the revelation of love. Let's go to Ephesians chapter number 3. And this is important before you get married. Because marriage can become a prison if you don't know what it means to love. You feel bound to this man who is obstinate, proud, religious, and there's no way to go because God says you can't divorce him. (laughs) Or you feel bound to this woman who is... Has a sharp tongue, spends all your money, doesn't cook for you when you want. And you have nowhere to go because God said you can't divorce them. You feel imprisoned. Now, the reason why you feel that is because you have not understood what love is. Because if you enter a marriage thinking this is what they are going to do for me, you're going to get frustrated. Somebody say amen. Amen. So the true kind of marriage has to be based on agape. You enter marriage with what am I going to do for them, for my spouse. If you enter marriage like that, you won't be disappointed. 
Because every shortcoming is an opportunity to love. You are not in for self. It's not. God says, the word of God tells us that the opposite of love is selfishness. Self. What do, how do I feel? What do I think? I don't, I don't like this. I don't appreciate this. He's doing this to me. I, me, 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 I, myself. And that's what the Bible says was replaced with the love of God after Adam's sin. Self and the lost flesh became in charge. And here the Bible says that if you love God, you have to begin to learn how to lay your life for your friends. So, number one, the love of God, the agape, true love, is sacrificial. You make sacrifices. You don't demand others to make sacrifices for you. You make sacrifices for them. Say amen. amen. Or you can say oh me. If you <laughs> the Bible says, by this we know love, that he made, that he gave himself for us so also should we lay down our lives for our friends. And Jesus was our example. He said, love one another as I have loved you. So how did Jesus love us? The Bible said he came. Even though he was king, he was master, he was the Lord, he owns everything. He did not need us. Yet, because he loved us so much. But the Bible says God so loved. And I think we just, because we have heard those things so much, we kind of trivialize it. It's a serious thing for the Bible says that even while we were yet sinners. He says it's possible for somebody maybe to love a good man or to love a righteous man. He said, but God demonstrated his love towards us. Romans chapter number 5. He said that while we were yet in sin, who, who is a sinner? Someone who refuses God, who does not love God, who curses God, who acts in variance to God's law. The Bible says while we were yet in sin, Christ died for us. He said, this is the love that God loves us. And if we understand this love, it will be easy to love someone who causes you. Praise the Lord. Because the Bible says, why we did not know God? Why we were yet in sin? And it is because people have not been rooted and grounded in the love of God. You know, let's go to, let's go to Ephesians Ephesians chapter number 3. This is where the name of this ministry came from. But we really need to pray Paul's prayer that we get rooted and grounded in love. It's more than just knowing it in your mind. Hallelujah. Verse 14. He said, for this cause, Ephesians 3, 14, he said, for this cause, about my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all sin what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which 
transcend knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So one of the things Paul is saying here is that you need revelation knowledge of this love. That this love passes human understanding. So the love of God cannot be understood by reasoning. It has to come by revelation and by the help of the Holy Spirit. So if you think you know it just because you know scriptures, you may be wrong. You may not really even have an understanding at all of this love. So you need the Holy Spirit to reveal this love to you. This love is a revelation. It's a revelation. It's not just information. You need to ask the Spirit, open my eyes to see how God loves me. Now this is very key because, again, this is the foundation of all relationships, singles, uh, couples, parents and children, children and parents, siblings. Because if this is not established in our hearts, we are going to be acting as though we are not complete and we are leading somebody or something somebody does to complete us. But if we are rooted and grounded in the love of God, there is nothing anybody does that can take anything away from us that can even add anything to us. Because we are secure in the love of God. I know some people say, Pastor, you don't understand. The reason why I'm so messed up is because my parents didn't care for me. They abused me. They, they used cane and messed up my mind. Now, we see a lot of that in developed countries. Why in some other countries, people who were caned are the ones who turned that straight. Praise God. <laughs> so cane was not the problem. The problem is lack of love. Because one of the reasons why is that many times, even in the developed countries where people use cane, one of the first things they first establish is their love for their children. So when they are being disciplined, they don't feel that the parents don't care. They believe that it's for their good. And so they respond properly. So many times the problem is that people have not received the love of God. And it's true that God gives parents the opportunity to demonstrate this love. Uh, and so children not knowing God that is invisible because of what happened with the first Adam, they look to people to demonstrate love to them. And they, they, they try to understand love the way their parents treat them, the way their family treats them, their friends treat them. And if somebody starts treating them the wrong way, they begin to feel they are not loved. Somebody calls a child, you dumb dumb, you fool. He begins to say, am I really a fool? I'm a dumb dumb. Nobody cares for me and go hide in a small room. I don't want to come out because somebody said that. And people have grown up like that. Sometimes people feel love at home, but when they get to school, they meet bullies who oppress them, take their lunch and pop their bag and, and send them home. And some of them are too ashamed to even tell their parents. So they begin to live a life without love. And they begin to get messed up, begin to get angry at themselves. Maybe I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. And because of that, they develop a mindset void of love. And guess what happens when they get married? The other person becomes the victim of the thoughts that they have carried all their lives. And so the answer is not get married to Mr. Perfect or Miss Perfect. The first solution is to have a revelation of the love of God. Tell somebody God loves you. Say it again. God loves you. Just the way you are. Say it again. God loves you. Just the way you are. Say you are not an accident. 
You were preplanned. You were predetermined in the heart of God. Because God loves you. Somebody say hallelujah. It doesn't matter what humans have done to you or how humans treat you. God loves you. The Bible says you are tattooed in the, in the palm of his hand. You are the apple of his eye. You need to begin to see yourself like that. And it is the love of God, this revelation of God's love, that actually builds and establishes faith. It's when you know that God loves you so much that you can be sure that he won't let you die of COVID-19. He, he can't. He won't. But if you are not sure of God's love, you're going to be wondering, am I going to die? Is it going to happen? affect me? But the truth is that if you are establishing the love of God, you know you are going to prosper. Because all things belong to him. And he will supply how many? All of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So being established in the love of God is the first step to being able to love others. And to know this love, you are going to have to look at Jesus. And one of the first things we say about the love of God is that it's sacrificial. Sacrificial love means that it's not focused on self. Amen. You are thinking, what can I do to help others? You're not thinking, what can the other person do to help me? Somebody say hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So we're going to have to come out of self-centered love and begin to live the kind of love that God has shown to us. And the Bible says that we don't have to live right for God to love us. I know this can be some sleepy soap for some people. I said, but pastor, you have been teaching righteousness. We need to live in a lifestyle that is pleasing to God. That's true. He said, but you said, God loves you as you are. Which one is it? As we are or do we have to please God? Let me tell you this way. God loves you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you as you are. So this love wants to bring you to a place of perfection, a place of glory. And so he keeps walking with you to help you get to that spot. But it's not when you get to that spot that he loves you. The Bible says, while you were still a sinner, he died for you. He gave you his best. Now, through that, he wants to bring you to a place of glory. So God loves you. And in short, it is because of his love for you that he already loves you while you were yet a sinner, that he gives us his word to help us to become like him. Somebody say, Hallelujah. And he's ready to make sacrifices. His love is sacrificial. The Bible says, why were we yet sinners? Christ died for us. If you, if you only came to select only the good and the ones who were right, none of us would have made it. Because we were all born sinners. We were liars. Fornicators. Thieves. You say, Pastor, I was not a thief. Yes, you stole sometimes took somebody else's pen even. And even if you trace it like my wife said, all the way to Adam, yes. And the Bible says, if you are guilty of one sin, you are guilty of how many? Oh, so the day you told the lie, you are an adulterer. You say, but I didn't commit adultery. Some people turn around and say, this adulterer. Even a pastor, he committed adultery. And right now he's gossiping, judging. God says she's not judging. And, and they say, <laughs> so you have become an adulterer for lying. And we need to watch those things. Praise God. 
So the first thing is that the love of God is sacrificial. I told somebody say the love of God is sacrificial. Say you are supposed to sacrifice if you are in love. Say God says you should lay your life for me. <laughs> lay your life down. Amen. The next point is that love, the Lord, the true love of God is independent of others. It's independent of the actions of others. Somebody say hallelujah. You know, all of these are tied, but I'm just explaining it a little closer so we can identify it. That means if your love is dependent on what others do, it's not true love. Again, we're going to qualify that a little bit more. I know, I know, you know, when I'm teaching grace and faith, some people think oftentimes it's mutually opposed. Grace, you know, God loves you. You don't need to do anything. And then faith says you believe and there are corresponding actions. It's like it, it can't be both. But if we begin to understand it clearer, it becomes understood that in God's part, his love is done. But one of the attributes of love is that we are skipping ahead, verse 5. Love cannot force himself on you. And so you have to receive it because even though he loves you so much, if he starts forcing you to receive that love, he's going outside of love. And so your responsibility is to receive it. And, and, and someone say, but, but God so loves us, it's not dependent on our actions. That means there cannot be hell. Everybody is going to heaven because all shall be saved. In short, the reason why people are going to hell is because God loves them. He loves them so much, he will not force them to go to heaven. Love gives you a choice. And because he wants a place where people are going to live right and they are not going to hurt one another, he has prepared heaven for those who want to go there. And then a place for people who don't want the love of God, who don't like the love, they don't want to receive it, they want to live the way they want to live, they want to go to hell. <laughs> he lets them go because he loves them. It's love. It's love. Praise God. He will do everything to try to help. He will send the minister. He will even sweat on Sunday morning just to tell you not to go there. But if you choose to still go there, he'll let you go. He'll let you go. Love doesn't force himself on other people. You know, I've been a pastor for a little while, and I have to counsel sometimes individuals, couples. And many times you tell the couples, you tell the individuals, this is the right way to live. Don't marry a dumb dumb. Don't marry an unbeliever. Some say, Pastor, I know he doesn't smoke, he doesn't drink. Praise God. I said, but the Bible says, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. I said, Pastor, I'm strong. I can handle this. And six years later, I said, how are you doing? He said, Pastor, I didn't know it was this tough. I made a serious mistake. I thought I could handle it. But the Bible is there. So why did I not force the person not to? I can't do that. Because love doesn't force himself. Somebody say, Hallelujah. Love is sacrificial. He will sacrifice himself, but he can't force you to sacrifice. He can do his part, but he also leaves you 
to do your part. But the second point I'm emphasizing now is that love actions are not dependent on the other person's actions. Love is self-subsistent. Love makes decisions by reason of himself, by reason of his nature, by reason of his character, not by a reason of what somebody else does. That means that if you start acting in reaction to what people are doing, most of the time you're walking in the flesh. Now let's go to Saint Matthew chapter number 5. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Glory be to God. Now Jesus was teaching them here. He said from verse 43. Matthew 5 verse 43. He said, ye have heard that it has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Turn to somebody. Say, love your enemies. enemies. Say it again. Love your enemy. enemy. Does that include your husband or wife? (laughs) If he becomes your enemy. So he's saying that you cannot have a situation with someone that you cannot love. Because love is not dependent on what that person is doing, but it's dependent on who you are. So you say you can love your enemy. Hallelujah. He said in the Old Testament, you were told love your neighbor. He said, but I'm saying you love your enemy. He said, you have heard in the, verse 43 again, you have heard that it has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and thou shalt hate thy enemy. He said, but I say unto you, love your enemy. Bless them that curse you. So if somebody curses you, what should you do? What does it mean to bless? Do good. Yes. Empower to prosper. So the next time your friend curses you out, what should you do? Buy them a gift. (laughs) Ah, You guys are quiet too. Now I'm not talking about just in church where we are studying the Bible. We say that. I'm saying in practice. In, in practice, when was the last time you bought a gift for someone who cost you out? Not say if you when you eat this gift, it will choke you. No, not that type of gift. When you sincerely bless, and of course you can do it with your mouth. You can speak blessing. You cut into somebody's road and the person curses you. Are you a fool? Stupid man. Where are you going? Can't you see? What should should you say? God bless you. You prosper. You never have accident. Your children will do good in Jesus' name. Amen. Good. Beautiful car. Yeah. You say nice things. But what do people do most of the time? You curse me. I double the curse and send it back to you. You cost me now. Your mama, your father, your grandpapa. They, they, they just, they just, lay, and then they go to church and they go and repent. They go and repent. And if you live that way, you have not really understood the love of God. Because the Bible says we love others because He first loved us. And the way and the reason why we can love others is because we have received the love of God. The Bible says while we were still sinners, when we cast God out. 
God loved us. Today, when you're walking in the streets, you can't tell much the difference between believers and unbelievers. Sun shines on the <laughs> pastor's house, and the neighbor is a drug pusher. Guess what happened with the sun? He shines there. His grass is almost as green as mine. <laughs> right? The Bible says rain falls on the righteous and on the earth. And these people are cursing God every day. Or living out of work with God. But God causes good to come to them. And some of them practice the principles of God. And they also prosper. Even though God said eventually they are going to give it to the one who will do it the right way. Somebody say amen. amen. He said bless those. He said, he said first of all love your enemies. Turn to somebody say love your enemies. Love your enemies. You see. There is nobody outside the scope of your friends or enemies. So how many people should you love? Everybody. Everybody. He said, love your enemies. But I say unto you, love your enemies. He said, bless those that curse you. He said, do good to them that hate you. If somebody hates you, what should you do? What should you do again? Do good. If the person is acting like I don't like this person, fire him for this position. What should you do? You do good. Buy him uh, a gift card. Right? So this is for your family. I just wanted to show how much I love you. Some people say after you do that, you go home and pray and say, God, fire on their head. Destroy them. No, no. You do good. You do good. He said, and pray for them who despitefully, despitefully use you and persecute you. Despitefully use you and persecute you. Another word is to accuse you, to threaten you, to be abusive to you, to drive you away, to trouble you. People who trouble you, you say you should pray for them. Who persecute you, say you should, you say you should pray for them. Why? Because when, when, when God's example to us is that when we were abusive to God, he died for us on the cross. The Bible said the people who were nailing the very nails on his hands, he said, forgive them. They know not. You know, he's given them, you may call it an excuse. But he's arguing their case as like he was their lawyer. Hallelujah. What many people do, they become the persecuting lawyer against people who are doing things. But here, Jesus was advocating for those who were hurting them. We need to learn the love of God in Christ Jesus. We have to come to the understanding of this love. And when we do that, you know what? It means that we're going to be secure in the love of God. We're going to be secure in the love of God. One other point about the love of God is that the love of God is eternal. It doesn't change. That's one of the messages of this, this message. Love of God never fails. Some translation says it never fades away. You find that in 1 Corinthians 13.8. Put it up. It's, it's never, it never stops. It never diminishes. Some people say, when we just got married, we were so much in love. I loved him so But now, after 20 years, that love has disappeared. Some people say, well, you know, when we got married, uh, we started calling ourselves, myself and my wife, 
Somebody say hallelujah. Of, of, of many years now. Amen. Instead of calling ourselves honey, and in our environment, it was not popular. They thought we were being Western. You're calling yourself honey, sweetheart. People laugh. That's what happens when you're in, 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 in love, when you just get married. Say, wait 10 years. Wait, wait 10 years. Five years even. I give you five years. All this honey, honey, honey will lose. It will disappear. The same thing happened when I started, when we came to the U.S. We were already married a couple of years. We came to the U.S. We started working. Uh, during lunch break, we would steal out and go and spend some time with each other just to have lunch. You know, we drive five, you know, sometimes I drive like, you know, 10, 20 minutes just to go have lunch with my wife. And some people at work would say, come on, have lunch. They say, no, I'm going to have lunch with my wife. One of my senior uh, people in the work said, how long have you been married? And maybe around five years at that time. So five years. I said, okay, okay. You guys are senior. Give it another 10 years. <laughs> All this running around and lovey, lovey, dovey is going to disappear. That's what they thought. But it's been over 26 years now. Somebody say, hallelujah. And we are more in love now than ever because it's not based on the flesh. It's a love that it comes from the spirit. And spiritual love is eternal love. It does not change. It does not fail. If your love is emotional and is, is coming from your mind, the way you, you think and the way you reason, the way you see things, then when you start seeing and feeling other things, it's going to diminish and disappear. If your love is based on your emotions, how you feel and, and how the person makes you feel, when you see the person, your hair, your hair stands up, after a while, you may, that love may not be the exact same and, and your love will diminish. But if your love is spiritually based, comes from the inward man of the heart. It's eternal. The things that are spiritual are eternal. They are not subject to change. They don't decay. They don't fade. Somebody say hallelujah. And so one reason why many people's love fail is because it's not from the heart. It's not the spiritual love. It's love based on emotions. Based on what they can see. Bible says when you look at those things which are not seen, because those things which are seen are what? They are temporal. They are subject to change. Why those things which are not seen are eternal? So the love of God, the agape of God, is a love that comes from your heart, your spirit, and is eternal. It doesn't change. So 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, you'll still be singing like Pastor Michael. Amen. I love you. You are such a blessing to me. Not because of what the person did, but because of who you are and because you are loving from your heart. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. He says, so love those that love you and pray for those who despise for you. Here in, 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 in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, love, God's love never faileth. Whether there be prophecies, they shall face. So the love of God is more tenacious and more stable than prophecies. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. So all of these other things are not even established to remain. In the last verse, go to verse 13. And the Bible says, now abide this three. Faith, faith is eternal, hope is eternal, and love. But yet the Bible says the greatest of these is love. So love is the greatest. And love, the love of God towards us, which is the love we are supposed to use to love other people, is eternal. It doesn't fade. Tell somebody, love never fails. Love never 
Say it again. Love never fails. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. I say hallelujah. So the love of God never fails. Amen. Let's look at Romans chapter number 8. I'll read a few more scriptures. Like I said, I love you enough to let you go on time today. Amen. But I know you don't want to rush out of the house of God, right? We want more. Amen. Because how do we receive the love by which we can love others? Is by looking unto him, receiving his love. And that's one reason why Christians ought not to divorce. You see, an unbeliever may not have the capacity to love with agape. Because he's not born again. So he has to depend on his emotions and on his mind to determine how to love. But someone who is born again and has the spirit of God inside, he has the ability to overcome anything that the enemy will throw. To love even the enemy. An unbeliever doesn't know that, doesn't understand, has not that ability. But we do. In short, Jesus Christ tells us, he said, if you only love those who love you. He said, how different are you from sinners? Because he said, sinners love those who love them. He said, that means that you, are, you, you, you have no operating as a son of God. He said, if you love your enemies, do good to those who, who hate you. Pray for them who despisefully use you and persecute you and, 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 and bless those who curse you. He said, then are you sons of your father? Now, this is very key. Uh, maybe I should spend a few more minutes here, not rush. The opposite of death is not just life. The opposite of death is love. Because the Bible said, by this we know, 1 John 4, that we have passed from death unto life. It said, because we love the brethren. So love is the proof of Zoe. Because the Bible said, this love shines. And the way this life shines in darkness. And the way life shines is love. And so the proof of life, eternal life, is that you can love people, not the ones who love you. That your love is undependent on the reactions of other people. Some call it unconditional. It's another good way to put it. Because that's the love that God has for us. And if you have become sons of God, your love cannot be dependent on how people treat you. We need to renew our minds on this. Praise God. I said praise the Lord. So, if somebody calls you two times and the other person calls you zero times, who should you call? Both of them. Some people say, well, he doesn't even call. When I was celebrating my birthday, he didn't give me any gift, so I wouldn't give any gift. And so the one who gave you gift, when is his birthday, what do you do? You give, this is trade by batter. This is not love. Unbelievers know how to do that. If you celebrate me, I will celebrate you. That's what people say in the church. That's not love. That's not agape. And that's why people are, are, are treat certain people highly because they treat them right. The husband is nice to you, gives you money, 
says nice things to you, then you cook nice food for him. That's trade by butter. That's not love. The day he curses you out, that's the day you should kick the sweetest food. Let me go this way and talk again. Hallelujah. The day he says no, I'm not giving you any money. That's the day that you should go and look for money, your own, sell something, and buy him a new shoe. That's love. They are going outside the natural. You have, we have to go beyond. That's what Excel means. You have to go beyond the physical. You have to go beyond the natural. You have to live beyond the man who is not born again. Jesus was telling the disciples in Luke uh, chapter 6 and John 5. He said, if you are just operating like everybody else, he said, you are not different from an unbeliever. And I wonder if the Holy Ghost or Jesus comes and examines the way we love if there is much difference between ourselves and unbelievers. Jesus said, and this is how you become sons of your father. You treat people not the way they treat you. You treat people by who you are. You visit people not because they visit you. You visit people because you love them. You call people not because they call you. You call people because you love them. You give not because they give back to you. Praise the Lord. You give because you love people. And if you do this, he said, then I use some. If we practice this with our siblings, with our, with our friends, and more so in our marriages, our marriages are going to be secure. But too many, too much flesh. I don't feel it anymore. I don't like it anymore. Pastor, tell him, him, tell her to talk to me right, to treat me. The concern is how the person is treating them. You are not supposed to be concerned how somebody is treating you. What are you supposed to be concerned about? How you are treated. Because God is telling you, even if they curse you, even if they despitefully use you, you still have to walk in love. And this is the foundation of the Christian faith. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. But one of the things I want to mention as we begin to round up, somebody said, but pastor, what about correction? So I can correct? No, the Bible didn't say that. Their positions and authorities to correct. But one of the things I want to establish as we're looking at correction also is that you cannot correct someone because you are angry at that person. That's not correction. That's revenge. God does not revenge. God disciplines and corrects. And if the person refuses to change, he allows the person to face the consequences that they have chosen. Now, I won't have enough time to explain this. If you read the Old Testament, you may not have this clearly. The Bible says many times God is the one who brings diseases. But if you read it, if you read Job and read the New Testament, you discover that many of the time, God has been the one preventing them. But they are saying, I want to die. I want, you know, (laughs) 
I want to do the wrong thing. Then God leaves the devil and leaves them to go through what they are going through. Oftentimes, when we see those destruction comes, it's the devil that destroys. God just allows it because they have determined to go. He tries to stop them, tells them, don't do this. Look at the children of Israel. Don't do this. Don't obey idols. Don't follow. They are destructive. If you do this, evil will come. They keep doing it, and evil comes. God did not punish them like people think. They entered into punishment. They chose punishment. And there's a difference. And that's why I tell parents, don't discipline your children when you are angry. You end up hurting them. Praise God. You are best cooling down first. Even if you have to have a cane account. <laughs> so you are owing me three strokes of the cane. Put it there. Because of your action today. If I cane you now, I'll do it two more. But we will find a different time when we are all cool and to settle the account. But you will know that what you did is wrong. You see, one of the attributes of love is that love wants to help people. And the Bible says that a father corrects his son not to destroy the son, but to bring the son into maturity, into perfection. In short, a father that does not discipline his son, he says he does not love the son. So discipline and correction is an act of love. But it's not a revenge. It's to help to bring the person to a place that is better. It's to lift the person up, not to destroy. Let's look at Proverbs 3, verse 12. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter number 3. The Bible said, For whom... The Lord love it. Let's start from verse 11. My son, despite not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. Next verse. For whom the Lord loveth, he corrected, even as a father, the son in whom he delighted. The Bible says the one he delights in, he's not doing it because he doesn't love the person. Why does he correct? Because he loves. So let me ask you this question. Two people are, you know, uh, uh, let me say a, a child has two parents, father and mother. We have to define that, father and mother, male and female. Praise God. That's the right kind of parents. Praise God. <laughs> and then the child is, is doing the wrong thing. Overeating, overeating, and the weight is changing five pounds every every month in the increase. And you know, weight can be a sensitive to talk about, especially with teenagers, right? Say you are overeating. I'm not overeating. No, I'm not. Only just, I just only one plantain yesterday. I'm not overeating. Why? You think I'm fat? (laughs) And so many times people don't confront it. Now, if one of the parents now decides to say, let me talk to this child before he becomes overweight, is that love or just because he despises the child being fat? Because of love. If the other parent says, no, I don't want to talk about it, because I don't want them to feel bad, 
I really don't, you know, want us to have a wrong conversation. He said, but he's overheating. He said, that's fine. I mean, even if you are 600 pounds, there are people that are 600 pounds. Have you, have you seen people that are 600 pounds? He said, well, he, he will be fine. That's, that's fine. Which one really loves the child? The one that, but the one who talks to the child, the child may think, why? Why? Why are you on my case? Why? Just let me eat. Some say I'm not. Most people who are putting on weight, if you address it, most, not all, they tell you they don't eat too much. So the, the reason they are putting on weight is because they are first deceived about what they are doing. The problem is not just the food, it's the deception that's making them put on weight. I discovered every weight that shows on the scale came from your mouth. Where else did it come from? So I don't, so they, they say, I don't know. I don't know. It's just like I'm just putting on weight. I, I don't do anything. I don't eat to. It's just, it's just increasing. I can tell you the doorway. This, this cometh not in, <laughs> but by eating and drinking. <laughs> so if you want to slow or stop, you have to shut the door of your mouth. And it can be a challenge. Because the body says, want to give me, give me this, give me that. And that's why you have to, by the spirit, put under the inclinations of your faith. And so the one who loves says, don't eat. And it's not telling you not to because he doesn't want you to enjoy the food. It's trying to get you to like yourself five years from now. But it looks hard at that time. And that's what the Bible says in Hebrews 12, that correction at that time looks unpleasant, but it's an act of love. And if you don't correct your child, the Bible says you hate that child. And that's why love corrects. Hallelujah. Love does not punish to destroy. Love corrects to improve. And we have to set the difference so that we can understand it. And so sometimes you may have to correct loved ones. And that's why the Bible says, if you want to correct, he said you must do it in the spirit of meekness. You can correct angry and showing and proving that you are. Many times you're doing it wrong. The person will not receive the correction, will only receive the animosity or the anger, and it becomes worse. That's why you have to correct with meekness. You have to watch yourself say it the right way so that the correction it's to help. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. I don't get me wrong. No matter how you try to say it nice, some people who will get offended will still get offended. Look at Psalm 94 from verse 11. Quickly, quickly. I have to make sure that everybody understands. Because many times people think, yeah, God loves us. We can't go to hell. I know I wanted us to read Romans 6, but 8, maybe we'll read it again later on. Psalm 94 from verse 11. Are you there quickly? He said, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of a man that they are vanity. Continue to 15. Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teacheth him out of the law, that thou mayest give him rest from the days of adversity until the pit be digged for the wicked. So why does God correct someone? So that he can give him what? Rest in the days of adversity until the pit is digged for the wicked. 
Let's stop on that verse. Go back to Proverbs 22, verse 15. Hallelujah. You know, go back. We'll read it, we'll read it more. Let's, let's, just, let's just read it. I, I don't think I want to be in a hurry. Continue. Go back to uh, Psalm 94. Say that thou mayest give him rest from the days of the adversity until the pit be dig for the wicked. Continue. For the Lord will not cause cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. But judgment shall return unto the righteous, and all the upright in heart shall follow it. Somebody say hallelujah. All right, go back to Proverbs 22, 15. The Bible says, foolishness is bound to the heart of a child. He said, but the rod of correction shall drive it away. Foolishness. What's foolishness? <laughs> I call it dumb dumb here. Amen. Amen. Acting like you shouldn't, overdoing things more than you should, not doing what you should know. The Bible says it's bound to the heart. That means you find it attached to the heart of a child. And it's not just talking about child because the child is three years old. It's not just about age. There are some Christians who are still acting as children at 35 years old. So there's foolishness bound. In short, what the Bible is describing as a child is anyone who has foolishness bound to their heart. So once he's acting foolishly, he's a child. And the Bible says, the rod of correction will drive it away. Somebody say, hallelujah. The rod of correction will drive it away. So, in such cases, you need a rod to correct. Again, we have said the correct is not to hurt. It's to help the person to live right. Go to chapter number 23 of the same uh, Proverbs. From verse 13. 23, verse 13. He said, Withhold not correction from a child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Right? I said right. So the Bible says you should what? Beat the, the foolishness out. It's not talking about abuse. It's talking about helping the child to change. And sometimes it can be tough. Because there is, there is a stronghold. That's what the Bible says, binds itself. If you read 1 Corinthians 9, Paul said, one thing I do, he said, I beat and bring my body under subjection, least after I preach to others, I myself be a castaway. So he's saying that you have to discipline yourself. And that's what he's also talking about the child. Discipline the child. Set boundaries. He's not saying beat the child to death. No, because most of these things are not to be corrected just externally, but to be corrected internally. Amen. And that's one of the differences between the law and grace. You see, the, the essence and the extent of the law was to correct actions. And that's where it could go. It only says you cannot do this, don't do this. And if you do this, these are the consequences. But grace does not only correct externally, grace finds a way to go into the heart to change the condition of the heart so that the actions will change. 
And the Bible says in the same way in the New Testament, when we are correcting, we can't just deal with the person externally and trying to correct the external action. We have to find the grace. That's why the Bible says, let your words be full of grace. To find how to go beyond just the external action to deal with the root of the problem and help the person be corrected. So sometimes you may just be beating the flesh, beating the body, but there is no change. But he said, I don't want to sit down. He says, sit, sit. And force the person down. Train the person to the chair. The person says, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting, but in my heart I'm standing. <laughs> you haven't really corrected. That's why prisons really don't correct folks. Most people who go to prisons, they come out harder than when they went. Because prisons can only deal with the external. But we have the word of God. The Bible says sharper than any two-edged sword and pierces into the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intake of the heart. And so one way to correct someone properly is with the spirit of love, with the attitude of meekness. You find God's word and present it in a way that can help that person change. Not just trying to fix it externally. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whoa. Withhold not correction for a child. If thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. The next verse. Thou shalt beat him with the rod. This is a commandment. Praise God. <laughs> and thou shalt deliver his soul from hell. So the essence is to deliver the soul. A child that is not corrected will end up in hell. That's why the Bible says, if you don't correct your child, you don't love your child. Proverbs 15, 10, and 32. Wow, we're out of time. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Correction is grievous to him that forsaketh the way, and he that hated reproof shall die. Verse 32. He that refuses instruction despises his own soul. But he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. So I know this is Valentine's Day, so I'm correcting us today. Somebody say, Hallelujah! I know some people expect some lovey, lovey talk, just oh, the feeling I felt when I felt. But this is love to bring the word of God and drive some foolishness away. And help you to live right. Yes. Somebody say hallelujah. And one thing I want to conclude with again is true living is loving. Amen. You know, one of the things that happens in this world, because after Adam's sin, people really became selfish. And so we see people who are disappointed. People who say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And after you have finished paying for their college Tishon, now they have graduated, they have a new job. They start looking for others. People have been disappointed. And because of that, people have said, oh, no, I can't, I can't, I can't trust anybody. Like I can't leave. I can't, I can't depend. And many times people shut their hearts. Many say, I can't love. I can't, I can't make that commitment. I'm changing the way I look at men now. But what the enemy tries to do is to buy hate 
teach people to hate. They don't know his hate. Just the same way when you look at Christ and you begin to learn from his love to love. When you start looking at the devil or his agents, those people who go out to destroy, to deceive, the tendency that people don't realize, they begin to become what they are looking at. So they despise people. The Bible says one of the things that will be taught in the last days, people will forbid to marry. It's a deception of the devil. Let me put it this way. If you are not bold enough to marry and walk in love, you still lack a revelation of agape. Because how can you practice agape to the fullest? If you live in isolation and never give an opportunity for someone to be that close to you. You're challenged when you're married. Your flesh is tested whether it's under. Somebody close enough to you is the only one who can really... You guys are too quiet. Shall I, I turn this way and pray? Come on. <laughs> I said somebody who is close enough to you is the one that can test your patience, that can test your kindness, that can test whether you are faithful or not. You are not faithful when you have never made a commitment to be faithful. How can we know that you are faithful? That's why some people don't join any church, any groups in church, or any activity. I don't want to join because I don't want to go and join and not be faithful. Let me tell you, you are already unfaithful. Because if you do not commit, we can't tell that you're, you are faithful. And the reason why you are not committing is because you know you are unfaithful. So you are already unfaithful. You are better us joining and working out your unfaithfulness than avoiding to join. Let me come this way and talk about it again. <laughs> Hallelujah. Some people are afraid to marry because they don't want to be disappointed. You are already disappointed. Even if it's going to be tough, you have to believe God to marry. That's one reason why some people are poor. They are afraid to step out into opportunities that will make them rich. And they are like, it's so hard. I will lose my job. I will be. That's why they stay poor. They are afraid to do what is beyond just easy and simple. If you are afraid to commit to someone eternal for the rest of your life, you, can, you have not understood law. Because one of the first things that God did was to enter a covenant with us. When he even knew we were weak and we would break that covenant. Love is not just of the flesh. So entering that covenant on that day, the pastor said, do you commit? This is a test of love. And that's why you don't enter into marriage thinking, what is he going to do for me? Where is he? Uh, is, 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 is he tall enough to carry me to upstairs? Now, if, you are, if, you, if, you, if that's your mind, you are not going into love. Let me ask this question. Which one is more relevant to a Christian? To be loved or to love? To love. But the reason why people are not getting married is because they are afraid they will not be loved. Because there's always opportunity to love. If you enter marriage with a mindset to love, which should be the foundation of any marriage, you have a good marriage. 
If the person is a dumb dumb, that's the more reason. That, that will make your love come out even stronger. If the person curses you, you now have an opportunity to bless. Somebody say hallelujah. In scripture. Because if the person is just like loving you and giving you stuff and you're loving her and giving you stuff, perhaps you're not different from an unbeliever. Unbelievers can even do that. I'm not saying go marry dumb dumb for that purpose. <laughs> the pastor said, I have to love. So let me just look for the worst guy, <laughs> the cursor. Let me grow my love. No, I'm not saying. That's a missionary wedding. That's not what God is saying. But you shouldn't be afraid to marry. There's no one reason why, again, people are afraid is selfishness. No one reason why people are afraid to have children. Selfishness. I don't want to be, I, I don't want to be tied down. I hate that for the first two weeks, no sleepless night. I love my beauty sleep. And I'm not getting fat for anybody, not even a child. But what is life apart from love? What is life apart from relationships and husbands and wives and children? No certificate will follow you out of this world. No car, no house. But a child will if he's brought up right. A husband or wife will. Relationships are more important. And that's where your love is tested. Things are there to serve people. But people give off people to get things. People are more important. The relationship in your life is more important than your degree, than the houses and the cars you drive. Because love is about relationships. Not about it. You know what makes heaven heaven? It's not the gold. You can plant, plant, put gold here on earth and plaster your feet, your, the ground of your house with gold and the ceiling. It doesn't mean you are in heaven. The major and the most important thing in heaven is the presence of God. It's the relationship. You get to be with him forever. That is what makes heaven heaven. And that's why the Bible says that you can have days of heaven here on earth. It doesn't mean that God will just come and just ply your road. No. You can be as rich and make your roads of gold. But the most important thing is his presence, his love. In short, nothing offends. You are living in peace like those in heaven because of the love and the presence of God. You know, there's so much to be taught on love. And we need to grow in this. And in this Valentine's Day, Maybe you said, nobody sent me a Valentine card. Nobody says, happy Val. I'm just alone. So what do you do? You send somebody a Valentine's card. You call somebody and say, I love you. And you may not have said it up to three, four times. You hear somebody say, I love you too. If you want to receive, you give. Somebody says, my husband never buy flowers for me. What do you do? Buy flowers for him. If he doesn't get him, buy four. Put it around. He, he will get it soon enough. <laughs> Praise God. We have to love because we are loved. And if you live in what I want, how I get it, the Bible says, what causes quarrels and grumblings and fighting and fighting among you? He said there is the loss. You are struggling to get. You are asking, I want this, I want that. I said, but the reason you don't get, you don't ask him who loves you. 
You're asking the wrong person, the wrong people. And then the reason why some acts I don't get is because they are doing it for envy, for strife, for loss. You don't just want the car. You want the car so that you can oppress someone else. To so say, I, my car is bigger than yours. Now, if that's the reason why you want it, it's the wrong reason. Because God doesn't want to give you something you want to use to hurt somebody else. So if you want it for the right reasons, and you ask God who loves you, he said he gives us all things freely to enjoy. You know, I thought I would spend a lot more time talking about God's love for us, but we have time in the future. We'll study that more. The Bible says, what can separate us from the love of God? It said nothing. Not principalities, not powers, not death, not life, not angels, not demons, not things in the past, not things in the future. God's love will never fail. Even if you are going through tough time. I know some people say, I don't know why God let me know. No, God loves you. He will not let you go through things. He's short. He's not the one who brought them. He's not the one who is causing you to go through. His love is eternal. If while you were here, the sinner, he died so that you will not go to hell. He paid so that you will not be sick. How will he now bring sickness and disease on you? It's not possible. His love never fails. And people don't understand that. So when they are going through times, tough times, one of the things the enemy tries to tell them is, I don't know why God is leaving you in this. And they begin to wonder, does God really love me? But I've come to tell you, God loves you. Somebody say hallelujah. And when you were going through, he's the one that was trying to help you to remember the scripture so that you can receive your healing. He already paid for your sickness, your disease, and paid to make you on top. He sent his blood, sacrificed his life for you to have a good life. He will not bring any evil upon you. No evil will he let to come upon you. And all you need to do is to believe and receive the love of God. And when you are satisfied, you are fulfilled in his love, it's easy to love others. You are not feeling incomplete. You are not angry. You are not sad. You are not depressed because you are happy in God's love. And now, even if somebody doesn't treat you right, you can still treat them right because you are full of the love of God. Just lift up your right hand this morning. Say, Father, I thank you for your love. Say it louder. Father, I thank you for your love. I receive your love for me today. Even more than before. I focus my eyes on you and your love for me. How that you loved me and gave yourself for me. And as I receive this love shared in my heart by your Holy Spirit, I'm able to love you and to love others as you have loved me. I would not love in reaction to what people do to me. I will not love only those that love me. I will not react to their actions, good or bad. Instead, I will love even as you have loved me. I love from my heart, from my spirit man, because I have your love in my heart. And I love them irrespective of how they behave. Thank you, Lord, for enabling me to love truly, even as you have loved me. I repent and turn around from times when I did not love like I should. When I walked in the flesh, 
when I responded to people out of my feelings, out of anger, out of fear, out of, out of despise, I choose to love others even as I am loved. I depend on your spirit to help me do this. For you walk in me both to will and to do of your good pleasure. I love you, Lord. I thank you for your love. And I'm able to love others even as you have loved me. In Jesus' name. Just go ahead and give Lord some praise. Hallelujah! Glory to God! Glory to God! Glory to God! We trust that you are blessed by the message. To listen and hear more, catch us at 11.30 on Sunday mornings on YouTube or Facebook at Love Foundation Christian Center. If you have any additional questions or just want to learn more about the church, feel free to contact us at lovefoundcc at gmail.com or visit our website at lovefoundationusa.org. Thanks for listening.